stress, anxiety, and depression are skyrocketing among children and teens. And Cook Children's Healthcare System is on a mission to bring these topics into the light. I'm Winnie King. And I'm Dr. Kristen Perch. If you have kiddos in the room, now is the time to put on those headphones. Some of the topics we'll be discussing will not be suited for young ears. This is Raising Joy. Hi, and welcome to Raising Joy. My name is Dr. Kristen Perch, and I'm the medical director for outpatient psychiatry at Cook Children's. And my amazing co-host, Ms. Winnie King, is still on that much-deserved, amazing uh, cruise in the Caribbean. Um, and we hope that she's having the very best time because she deserves it. And in a few hours, I will be uh, going on a vacation myself. So uh, Winnie and I will be out for a little bit, but we'll be back and ready and refreshed and ready to raise joy. So before I go, we are going to talk about a very cool program that was started here at Cook Children's. And today we're joined by Amanda Payne Lindsay, who's one of our chaplains, as well as Caitlin Terry, and she is a nurse in the pediatric ICU. Welcome, ladies, to Raising Joy. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Yeah, that's awesome. So what what is this program that you guys started? So the peer-to-peer support program is a pilot program that we started at Cook Children's. And it's a program that helps um, provide um, peers with training on crisis intervention um, and support so that we can train and embed staff members to support each other um, all throughout the hospital um, in real time and provide a low threshold for um, seeking help. So it started in the pediatric ICU. We launched it in March and we have 23 active Peer supporters, and in October, we'll have our third cohort with 15 more um, supporters uh, being trained. That's amazing. How, like, what What are the, I, the, the pediatric ICU is full of, like, every discipline. It's kind of like the hub of the hospital in some way. Who all could be trained or who, who are the people that you guys are training for the peer-to-peer support? So the peers are nominated. So they're people that are you know, the people on the unit think are um, trustworthy, um, sympathetic or compassionate people that um, they might see as someone they would feel comfortable going to. And so we take nominations and within those nominations, they can be child life specialists. We have multiple doctors um, who have gone through the training. Medical directors can be someone from EVS. We have social work. It's really a, um, a, a mixed cohort of all um, all of our specialties coming together to um do extra training to really be available and provide support for their peers. That's amazing. So so it's this is like this is training to be able to support your colleague who's having a difficult time and not like training to be able to support the kids. But I bet there's some overlap in those skills <laughs> or support the parents. Right. I mean, because the yeah. pediatric ICU is full of stressed out parents. So I think that that's it's really cool to be able to do that. How did you guys get this idea? Like, where did it come from? So peer support programs aren't new. They've been around since the early 2000s, um, and they're really run across the country in different ways. And so we saw that programs were running in other places and started researching and talking to other hospitals that run peer support programs. So we researched nationally and internationally. They run peer support programs in Germany and Singapore um, and National Health Service in England and so looking at those models and seeing what uh, might work best in our context, and we were able to actually develop something um, completely unique here at Cook, which is a trauma-informed care-based program with a component of suicide intervention um, and 
in our training program. So we're very excited about what the program we've launched here. It's different than what is currently out um, and being used in most settings. Um, but the concept of peer support is actually um, pretty widespread. There's uh, a lot of data behind the efficacy of having conversations with your peers. Um, most uh, people feel more comfortable going and talking to a peer than maybe they would reaching out and getting um, help from a professional. So the first step of maybe going to to be able to connect to a mental health professional might be having a conversation with a peer first, feeling like you've been heard, feeling understood, and then maybe being able to accept um, a referral and say, um, I really understand that that's been really difficult. Um, I feel like it might be really helpful if you had a conversation with a mental health professional. So our peers are not meant to replace professional help, but meant to be a bridge and an additional layer of support and really to complement um, the, the resources that we have uh, available. Yeah. And I feel like your colleague who works in the same pediatric ICU, who sees the same thing, who may be, because there's, there's sometimes, unfortunately, there's bad outcomes. And that's, there's, I don't think that you can really understand what it's like to bear that stress or that sadness unless you walk through it. Um, I'll speak to that because <laughs> you're like, oh, yes, I'm <laughs> as a nurse in the pediatric ICU for five years. I have seen plenty of good outcomes, but I've also seen and walked patients and families through those terrible outcomes, yes. too. And when we are notorious for being caretakers, it's what we do. It's probably why we entered our respected professions, but we are terrible at taking care of ourselves. Yes. And then also it feels like at times like admitting defeat if I need to go to a professional for help for myself. So the peer-to-peer -peer support program has allowed me to provide support to my peers in a way that is so much more than, oh, that was really rough. Let's, you know, suck it up, get on to the next thing. This is allowing me to have the tools that I need to make referrals and have really and meaningful conversations with my peers. This is a really difficult assignment. This was a really difficult day. How can I help support you? And I allow them the opportunity to open up and then provide them the referrals that they need if I'm not able to meet that support. So it's really important because no one understands what we go through than the people that we're around going through it with. Every single day. Every single day. And I, I think also at Cook, we talk about it a lot, but it, we really do have fam. It, it feels like a family. Like we really do take care of each other mm -hmm. and, and things like that, especially like within like you have a PICU family, you have a psych, you know what I mean? Like, right. you, like we really do take care of each other. So I think having that support from someone that you've seen day in, day out, care about the kids are taken care of, care about their colleagues. I think that that goes a long way. Right. And specifically within the pediatric ICU, if you ask anyone that's ever worked there, the thing that they'll tell you that they love is our team, like our yeah. sense of team. And so the peer to peer support program has allowed me to bring like a new dynamic to that team. We're far more than nurses or respiratory therapists or physical therapists helping each other out. I now have the tools and knowledge to help you out far more than just helping you pull up a medication or helping you with your patient. I'm helping you as an individual too. Yeah. How, like what kind of things are part of the, like what what's part of the training? Like what, what are some like tools or tricks or not not tricks but like what are some tools or things that you've thought have been helpful to be able to like support your colleagues and stuff so um the training is um you know who wolfgang puck is yes okay he's he was asked once what the hardest thing to cook was and the his answer was a, a scrambled egg <laughs> so I always think about this when I think about our training because a lot of the training is um, on active listening which seems really simple 
um, or teaching people how to listen. It's a scrambled egg. It's simple, but can be hard. Yes. And so a lot of the training, um, we go over trauma-informed care. We talk about ACEs. Um, a lot of the vocabulary and education that we always do on patients, yes. we we then take a view and say, what does this look like for you and for your peers? Mm-hmm. And what are you bringing to bedside? And then a lot of just simple active listening. How do you deeply listen to someone? Mm-hmm. How do you not just hear the words that they're saying, but really hear what they're saying? How do you ask questions that make them feel heard? Um, how can you provide that safe space for them to process what they're going through? Um, and then we also have a component where we go through uh, QPR, Question, Persuade, Refer, which is a suicide intervention um, uh, curriculum. And we've been working with the Jordan Elizabeth Harris Foundation. They're great. They're amazing. Great people. Amazing. Um, and so that's another part. How do I ask a hard question of, are you thinking about suicide? We want at the end of training mm-hmm. for somebody to be able to say, are you thinking about suicide just as easily as you would say, do you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? So how can we help you have those conversations and how can I help you identify that someone is maybe having behavior that is concerning right. and when to seek that help? Yeah. Um, so that is a component. And then we also have our amazing legal team, which I always give them a hard time and play law and order music when they come in, but they're not scary. They're, <laughs> they're really the, they're sweet. They're the most wonderful they're like, so problem wonderful. solvers, warrior yeah, but amazing when you people. say like I love them. when you say like legal, it sounds really scary. But they're no, they're um, fantastic. They're amazing, and they are part of our training team. And they talk about disclosure, and they talk about mm-hmm. the difference between confidentiality um, and privilege, and how we can make sure that we're having the appropriate conversations in safe, protected spaces, and when and and what that looks like. So they've been a huge part of the training team. We've had our mental health professionals. Um, on the training team with us, our friends from Quality and Safety have been huge proponents of this project. Yeah. And our legal team has also been very involved. That's amazing. Yeah. Like that. One of my favorite parts of the training was actually like the very end of the day after we've gone through all these different classes with different individuals and learned everything. We had like a role play workshop. Oh, yeah. And so at first, <laughs> right, everyone's just like running out of the room, like, please, like, do not assign me. And of course, it's me that's chosen to play the peer peer supporter and it I really enjoyed it because it gave a safe space to practice these skills while it's awkward and all these people are watching you so that it's like you get all the nerves out so now when I'm doing it it is like asking um do you want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich because it's come natural and I had a safe place to practice it in the comfort of um all of my peer-to-peer supporters so that was probably one of the highlights of the training for myself that's amazing like that is and you do need you need like a little bit of practice, but like I think once you do it the first time, then it's like, okay, this isn't so bad. Right. It becomes more natural. Yes. And you're not like, have you ever thought about suicide? <laughs> like, but it's important to ask. Cause, yeah. Because unfortunately we have lost colleagues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what kind of things do you guys feel have really put a lot of pressure on in healthcare, like on the PICU team? Like what kind of stressors do you guys see that have really impacted us from really from the outside in um so working in the icu there's a lot of different challenges that we face as healthcare workers i think first and foremost we're exposed to trauma mm-hmm. every day that i come to work i'm taking care of someone who it is the absolute worst day of their life they are facing yep. some sort of tragedy they don't want to be there no one willingly brings their child to the pediatric icu yep. so that adds a level of stress and trauma on top of the stress of trying to perform your job and keep that child alive so that stress in combination sometimes with how people perceive healthcare workers can be really challenging 
So I think this program is really helpful because we're going through it together. Yeah. Yeah. I think globally, there's just, we we see this increased need of behavioral health resources with our, our kids and um, mental or mental health needs are also on a rise with our, um, our staff. And so mm-hmm. uh, there was a study done in 2012 that talked about um, ICU nurses and PTSD, 20% of ICU nurses, uh, and this was done in the United States, have all um, markers and distinguishments of the DSM of PTSD. Mm-hmm. 80% of ICU nurses have three or more of the distinguishing marks of PTSD. Wow. Um, burnout, which is really just a kind of a bucket word that encompasses anxiety, depression, um, and, and trauma. Uh, burnout is real. And yes. some studies do as high as 47% of pediatric ICU staff are, are burnt out. Um, we have a post-pandemic world where people are doubting science, doubting medicine. Um, and so that is also a, a difficult and new dynamic when we have uh, people making maybe poor decisions um, for, their, for their kids' health. And we have to stand by and that moral distress mm-hmm. is also huge, especially in the pediatric ICU where we have the ability to do extraordinary means to keep children alive. And sometimes being in the middle of that means that you're watching something that maybe doesn't feel right or good. Mm-hmm. Um, and you wonder, is this futility of care? Are my hands hurting this child or helping this child? And um, those those things of moral distress, PTSD, trauma, mm-hmm. those are all things that uh, are in the face of healthcare workers. Yes. And we take it home. Yes. As much as Everyone's like, oh, just leave it. Or-. That is impossible in a children's hospital. You can't do it. Or you, you know? say, take a bubble bath. Yeah. So right. like maybe you have cared for a child who has 21 broken bones because of child abuse. Parents are at bedside and you have spent a 12 hour shift with them. And then you are going to say, go home and, and take a bubble bath. So one of the things that we really want to do is provide an outlet. So like in those cases where we're having, you're having these um really stressful patient mm-hmm. care scenarios that instead of taking it home and bottling it up and not not dealing with it, that I can walk over to someone else who's another nurse or another physician or another APP and I can say, um, this is really hard for me. Maybe my kid is that same age and this is really difficult. And Always that, the hardest. And that peer can look back and say, I'm so sorry. I know this is hard and you can believe them. Because you know that that peer has also had to deal with that situation. It's so hard. It is so hard. I, Whenever I started, whenever I was younger and I wanted to work in a children's hospital, I was like, oh, it's so like fun and happy. And there's Peaks the Dragon and there's a gift shop and there's, you know, like all of the cool stuff. And it just seems so happy. And then whenever you work there, you realize it's a little dark. I apologize. But it's like every parent that you see this is the worst day of their life yeah and the kids are having and and i I guess the joy or the good part that keeps you coming back is everyone that works there is really trying their very best to help kids get better and to be happy and healthy and not to need to come back and that's i guess that joint purpose is what keeps us there but it is i mean it's really hard like it's really hard and i think something that's really important to highlight is that us the way that we give excellent care to the kids that come into our hospital is by caring for our nurses and our clinical staff and helping them show up to bedside with the healthiest mindset, with mm-hmm. the highest psychological safety. Um, increased psychological safety lowers the risk of, of med errors, yes. lowers lawsuits. 
um, higher patient satisfaction. There are so many ways in which um, us making an you know investment in in the mental health of our staff and of of the support that they're getting is is a direct a direct reflection of of how much we care about the the kids that we take care of. Yes, I totally agree. I t- we're not robots. <laughs> no, <laughs> it wouldn't be very fun. Um, Caitlin, what what's it like providing peer support on the front line? So as a peer-to-peer supporter, I, truthfully, I would say that it, I don't feel like my day-to-day looks much different than it did before I went through this pilot program. But what does look different is that I now have like the knowledge, the tools, and like the resources. Like I'm able to ask the direct questions like QPR. I'm able to say, hey, it seems like you're having a really hard time. Let me reach out and call the chaplain with you or let me reach out and put you through to this or here, let me show you how to access EAP. So really for me in my day to day, maybe it's just the, my true nature to myself is just checking in on my peers. Hey, how are you doing? What's going on with your patient today? How can I help you? What's going on outside of work too? Mm-hmm. I just really want the people that I work with and my peers to know that they are far more than an employee mm-hmm. and a badge number that is coming with wonderful skills to take care of children. But I care about them as a person and I want them to feel that they are valued and loved and appreciated. So that's really what I try to do when I'm doing my peer-to-peer rounding. That's amazing. How did you get involved? I was nominated. So I I, I got the email from Amanda and thought, wow, I am really excited. This is something I'm passionate about because I think we all do our job better when we feel valued and loved and appreciated and, and work in a safe place. So I was really excited to be a part of it. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so where is the program available? So right now, it, the pilot program is running in the pediatric ICU in Fort Worth, and it'll be running, uh, we'll continue it through this year. And then in late October, we're launching it in Prosper. Okay. So it's going up north. So we've been really appreciative of um, Prosper leadership uh, being supportive of us bringing it to that campus as well. Um, and so we um, will see how the the pilot goes and we're collecting data and then also working with our peer supporters to refine the program and make sure that um, we're working out any kinks that we have um, and then we will go from there. Okay. Well, I, I, I mean, I'm just like, well, you know, I treat. <laughs> <laughs> we may have like, yeah. you know, phase two, three, four, something like yeah. that. So I think, I think it's a fantastic program. Yeah. I, I also like that you guys incorporated the elements of trauma because like you were saying, we think about trauma for our patients, for our caregivers, for all of those sorts of things. But we are also experienced trauma. Yeah. Just I have on the job. so many conversations with nurses on the unit. Mm-hmm. Um, I have one if she would allow me to share this, but she was going um, out of town for the weekend to a lake house. And she was like, Amanda, I'm going to bring a, 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 a tourniquet. And just in case there's a boat accident, somebody hits an artery and mm-hmm. she's going down this long yep. spiral. And she's like, is that normal? And I'm like, well, it's normal because you have trauma. Yeah. So uh, and she's like, what? Uh, yeah. And so and she's then, like, I'm just prepared. Yeah, I'm just prepared. <laughs> Um, but being able to have a conversation and say that's normal because of what you've seen, um, mm-hmm. because you've been exposed to things that are outside the norm of normal human experience, mm-hmm. um, you're seeing the most critical, you're seeing um, the sickest of the sick. Yes, that's normal. And it's called trauma. And these are some other things that you might be experiencing. Um, so having those conversations um, is is really revealing to the fact that um, I think a lot of our staff doesn't realize that that's going on or happening. They think they should just be able to deal with Stuff that is well beyond the normal human experience to deal with. Yeah. And Caitlin, I think it goes back to what 
you said earlier is that we go into this because we're caregivers. Like we we want to care for other people. And so our attention is focused on other people, which is great in terms of like happiness and things like that. But we also really do have to take care of ourselves or at least check in and think about like, is, is this healthy? Is this not? You know, is this impacting me in a negative way? Yeah. Like all this. Especially because like when we are burnt out and feel compassion fatigue, we're not able to do our best job in serving our patients and their families. And so it's highly important that we are showing up on our A game to take care of these kids. And if I can help support my neighbor through that and help them know that what you're going through is not a normal experience, but it's normal for us in our day to day and validate those feelings and support them through it, then we're better to show up for every other child. Yes. And if you make it, you will take better care of your patients if you take care of yourself. That may be the ticket for some people because they're like, no, I can. I, I need to take care of them. Like it, it's really hard for caregivers <laughs> to look inward or think of check in with themselves. Well, it's the same message that we share with our parents, right? Of our pediatric patients when they are sleep deprived <laughs> and exhausted and sleeping on the the beds that are not maybe the most comfortable beds. We can maybe invest there a little bit, but <laughs> and I tell them, I say, you can't show up for your child right now until you have met your basic needs. So please go take a shower, go to the bathroom get a glass of water and take a refresh and come back and you'll be a better parent to show up for your kid. So that's the same philosophy. We're just applying <laughs> it to ourselves. It doesn't apply to us. Like, yeah. We're superheroes. I mean, that, that, I mean, we don't, we just don't think about it, but like a lot of times that's why right. you're like, no, we're fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. You're like, no, you're not. <laughs> it's okay if you're not today. That's okay. You're human. So are you guys looking for volunteers or like how, so how's the program? Going? The program is going to runs with nominations. Okay. So we um, have peers that are nominated. So right now, as we continue through the pilot program, um, we have people nominated for the next two cohorts. So we'll have additional staff members in the PICU being trained. There's 15 more coming on board. So whatever 23 plus 15 is, that's that one. how many we will have <laughs> in the pediatric ICU in Fort Worth. Um, and then we will also have our next cohort in Prosper. And then stay tuned for other opportunities. Yeah. Are there ways, so if someone works outside of Cook, but maybe wants to implement, is like, hey, I, I really think that this would be helpful in my workplace. I have, you know, we have a hard job. We'd need a little bit of extra training for how to deal with really difficult situations, how to support each other because our job is really hard. Like how, like how would you go about starting something like this in, uh, in their workplace? Um, I think that this program is able to be implemented anywhere at any workplace, as long as you have employees that are ready and willing to genuinely show up for their peers. And so I would say for anyone that's interested, like reach out to Amanda. She has done such a wonderful job organizing all of this, all the education. You can tell that this is something that she's very passionate about and her enthusiasm for it overflows into all of us and is what's driving it and keeping it successful. That's awesome. So I think she would be enthusiastic to help you get your program started too. (laughs) (laughs) Or points you in the right direction. This is a good place to look. Here's some tools to get you started. Yeah. Yeah. I think collaborating is really important. And then leadership buy-in wherever you're at. Um, and we have wonderful support at Cook. We have wonderful leadership buy-in at Cook. Um, and when we were able to show the the value of this, um, you know, there's the moral case for this, which is, the, is this is the right thing to do. But then there's also a, a fiscal case here, which is that there's a, you know, can be reduced employee absenteeism, reduced uh, turnover because we're alleviating some burnout, um, reduce lawsuits because we're helping psychological safety. So um, having those conversations with leadership and then using whatever conversation you need to have if it's the moral case you need to go plead um 
awesome if it's the monetary go plead it. What the case that we don't want you to have to go plead is the tragic case, yes, which is something really bad has happened and you're responding. Yes, um, prevent it. Yeah, I totally agree. And then collaborate and see what's already out there. Um, see what programs are out there. See what will work in your setting. How we run the peer-to-peer program in the ICU is going to look different if it goes to a different unit because it has different like challenges. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But it's beautiful because it can be adapted to that. And yeah. so uh, just really looking at the need and seeing um, what's already out there and reaching out and collaborating, um, I think is really important. Yes. Can't do it alone. Is there anything else you want folks to know? We just want people to really reach out. And um, even if you can't um, can be part of this program at this moment when it's still the pilot, I do want to uh, make sure that everyone knows that we do at Cook um, offer QPR training, question, persuade, refer. So for Cook employees on the Fort Worth campus right now, they have started rolling out that training. So if you are like, I really do want to get involved, um, but this isn't available yet, you can sign up on Learn to do that training. If you're not um, a Cook employee, you can also sign up for QPR training um, in the Fort Worth area. Um, just check the Jordan Elizabeth Harris Foundation mm-hmm. website. They have amazing like taco nights and yes. do all sorts of fun things. Um, so if you want to be able to show up for your peers, start having those really meaningful conversations, um, you can get involved with QPR and get trained in that now. And, and QPR is a suicide prevention tool Yes, for, in training for like for workplaces and things yeah, like that. For anything. Schools. I mean, and yeah. they use it throughout the school districts. I mm-hmm. mean, it's it's a wonderful tool. If you have kids, you can ask those hard questions to your kids and make sure that you're looking out for stuff. So um, I'd reach out. That's amazing. Anything, Caitlin? Um, I really, I think that at the end of the day, like this is really, we can take this anywhere in, in any aspect of your life. So it's not below anyone to get the training because everyone's life is valuable to us. And we believe that at Cook Children's and we believe that outside too. So take the training, go to QPR, please people. <laughs> it's worth it. <laughs> Do like set aside the time. Yes, it's, it's it's worth your time. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you guys so much for coming to talk to us about the program. Um, I'm really excited to see like the data and all the things that you guys do. I know that just having, like you're saying, that, that ex- if, if anything, it's the confidence, right? Like mm-hmm. the tools and the confidence to be able to have those conversations. Like I think that you guys will support each other and change lives and it'll change the culture in oh, a positive absolutely. way, mm-hmm. you know, where you guys are. So that's, that is amazing. So we always finish with saying something that you're grateful for. And I have to think about mine. So Caitlin, okay. you want to go first? Yeah, absolutely. I'm grateful that today I found out one of my past patients is cancer free. So it's really exciting. That is always yeah. a it's really good. <laughs> yes. That's always amazing to find out that someone is doing well. Mm-hmm. Someone that we took care of when they were in a really acute situation is now doing really well. So Yay! really excited. That's amazing. That that is incredible. Okay. Can I be thankful for Caitlin? Because I yes! really am. She's amazing. I have worked with her in the pediatric ICU and she's just amazing. And so I'm glad to be here and glad to be here with her. Come back to us. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, the door's always I'm in, open. I'm in Prosper. So I moved a little bit away. Okay. So. But, but you're, but you're but I'm visiting. Yes. Oh, it's important. Her work up there is really important too. <laughs> yes. And also Prosper is a new hospital. So you kind of start with this foundation. And so like, I think that that's great. Yeah. Not that I, I don't think it really changed the foundation of the PICU because you guys already kind of had that there, that support right. for each other. But um, but I think it's smart to start there. Start yeah. your culture with safety and, and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm grateful for vacation. I'm going to um, London tonight and I'm really excited. 
um, dreading the flight, but you know, it'll be just fine. So I'm excited for time away and exploration, good food, all the things. Refreshing. Yeah. I'm excited. Um, anything else? No. Amazing. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to Raising Joy. Um, until next time, just breathe, open up, you matter.